Hey guys, and welcome to another Grayscale Gorilla podcast. Today is February 6th. It is the day before my birthday here in Chicago, and uh, I'm looking out the window into the city, and it looks like it used to be sunny, and now it's overcast, so that's what time of day it is, I guess. Um, thanks for stopping in and listening. Today we're going to do what we usually do, which is we're here live at uh, grayscalegorilla.com slash live recording this, and um, and we got some guys and in, in, in gals in the chat room here asking questions about, you know, some of the harder stuff. Uh, we don't talk a ton about Cinema 4D. If you're familiar with my site, it's obviously a lot of tutorials. But in this podcast, we don't do a lot of uh, uh, tutorial stuff necessarily or, or learning all the buttons. And I have a hundred, literally hundreds of tutorials on the website to, to learn all that stuff. Um, but for the podcast, it's a little bit more about the hard stuff, the other stuff, the the non-software-based um, stuff. So, you know, how do you make all this stuff and how do you find time to do this? And how do you find the energy or the passion or the, or the job to make money doing this stuff? Or how do you be better at what you want to do? I mean, that, that to me is the overlying idea behind everything, the tutorials, the site, the uh, rambling on in these podcasts and, and the, the five second projects and, and all that stuff. The, the thread, I think that brings it all that ties it all together is how do you get better at the thing, whatever it is at, at the thing you want to do more of. Um, and they all, I think, I hope they all have their little subtle place in there. So for me, you know, I have the, this site with tutorials and, and posts and stuff about how to learn the software edge, uh, the software side of it. And along with those tutorials, there's a lot of stuff about hopefully about some design and some design principles and compositing principles and, and, uh, and, and color theory and typography and, and, you know, that kind of stuff as well. So that all is tied up into the tutorials. And then I kind of see the five second projects as a, as an excuse to play with all that stuff as a way to make your own stuff, not just watch a tutorial and copy it, but to make your own version of whatever, um, make your own version of whatever you want to make or, or, try out a new tool or try out Cinema 4D or After Effects or hand-drawn animation, whatever it is. Um, and then I kind of see these these podcasts, I guess, as a way to talk about some of these other weird things, you know, like procrastinating and, and how do you get around to making your own stuff and how to be a little bit happier about where you are in your career or your job or your life. I don't know. It's uh, This is all the weird, silly, mumbo-jumbo stuff. But uh, I like doing it. I hope you think it's helpful, and uh, we'll get we'll get right into this. So um, we have uh, a bunch of fun people here in the chat room answering or asking questions. And man, I hope I could uh, I could ask some. So let me check here to make sure we don't have any more. And um, and uh, get into the industry. That's a classic question. All right, so we'll, I'm going to copy and paste this and. We'll answer that in just a moment. Let me paste this in here. Cool, I got it. Okay, so here's um, here's a question. I've, I'm a jerk, and I didn't write down who asked this question, but it's uh, what tutorials do I watch? Um, what uh, and I, I, it's an interesting question. I used to follow only you know back in the day. Back this will date me, but I there you didn't used to be a lot of. Um, Cinema 4D tutorials. So for me, you know, for After Effects, there were um, there weren't actually. I'll I'll start all the way. I'll, I'll give you the full story. For me, tutorials were always better off in video, and this was before YouTube, before Vimeo, before before almost before QuickTime Online. I think it was way back. 
um, when I started learning After Effects, I uh, realized very quickly that books, um, I didn't like books. I didn't like reading and learning from a book. Um, they, they didn't hold my attention. Um, they were, they got very technical when they didn't need to, you know, they, they weren't structured as well as they could have been. And I got a lot of the books out there and, um, you know, I, just for me, for the, for the way I like to learn, um, reading a book and learning software, something visual and kind of animated was very difficult for me. So when I bought a a DVD of, um, or when I got my first video tutorial, it was from Brian Maffitt of, um, Oh man, I can't believe I blanked on the company name. Total Training, that's it. <coughs> Total Training, I got uh I went on eBay and I got the VHS tapes of Total Training for After Effects version 5, I think. Or no, 4.1. This was before 3D. And um and then I got the add-on. I think they had an add-on for 5.5. Anyway, this story is already getting too long. What as soon as I saw a video tutorial of somebody talking what they were talking about and then describing it and showing it on screen about exactly what button they're pressing and how they're pressing it. And then what Brian did, which was really great and, and totally spoiled me for every other type of tutorial ever since then was he said why he was making the choices he did. He didn't just say, click this button, hit 10 type 20 and then everything's here. What he said was, we're typing 20 because of this. If you type 5, it's not; it's too low because of this reason. If you type 40, blah, 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 we're typing 20 because of, of this reason. He would describe why he put things in certain places, and he'd say some of the principles behind things. And um, he uh, totally spoiled me for all other tutorials moving forward. So when the, when the YouTube came around and when tutorials started you know, picking up online, a lot of them sucked. Um, a lot of them were, were, um, and honestly, most of them still are, are pretty bad. Um, you know, they're very, they're, they're very, uh, let me show you how to do this trick that took me two hours or this person took two hours to build, but he's going to show you in 10 minutes and any, and anybody could do that. Anybody could say, let me go in and, and show you the 10 buttons I hit to make this once it's already built. The problem is, is you don't learn how it was built in the first place. You don't, you don't figure out the thought process of how, of how the, 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 the thought process, process behind why they're using this tool or why they're using this button or why they're, they typed in 20 instead of 40. And uh, for me, it's, I guess to get back to the question, for me, the tutorials that were my favorite were the ones and were the people that said that A, first, made beautiful looking stuff. So I knew that at the end of the, the piece that I wasn't just going to hopefully not just going to learn a technical tool thing, but also see how you make all this pretty stuff. Cause the tools are one thing. How do you make, how do you make this look good? So I knew if I saw the tutorial and it looked good at the end, I considered that a good tutorial. Um, and if it, um, and, and the other thing I look for in a tutorial is not necessarily just finding exactly what I want to learn or, or, or in other words, it's not the final outcome sometimes that I look for. It's usually a tool that I have no clue about. So recently, what did I look up? Um, let's just say hair. Let's say, let's say I wanted to learn about hair, right? More about hair. And I want, I want to specifically, I want to learn how to make hair, um, uh, I don't know, hair on somebody's head. So I type that in and I find an exact tutorial about what I'm trying to build instead of going about it the other way, which is like, 
well, that looks cool. How do, how do you make that? Which is fine, but that's not the way that I, I tend to watch tutorials. I tend to see something cool I see on, on TV or online or some work, and I'll say, how do you do that? And I'll open up cinema. This is actually the, the real process. And I knew, I knew it. By rambling enough, I will get to the actual point. So bear with me. Thanks for actually letting me ramble and get to the point. And now I'll, I'll, I will actually say the point instead of talking about rambling and talking about the point. Uh, but anyway, um, what, what I will do is I will see something I like. I will open up Cinema 40 or After Effects. I will start to play with it. I'll start to guess at the way that it was built. And I'll pull up MoGraph or I'll you know, start to you know, add little things or model a stupid thing out of, out of MoGraph or whatever. And I'll get to a point where I get stuck. And then what I'll do is I'll try the two or three things I think might work. And then if that doesn't work, um, what I would typically do is go search online for tutorial, you know, what I think might be the answer. So tutorial, how to combine this and this or something like that. Um, or, yeah, as uh, Ramis, see, I, I hope I get his uh, – uh, name right. I'm sure I'm going to screw it up, but uh, has already said in the chat room, usually the answer to almost every tutorial problem is use the connect object. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's my process. So when it comes to finding tutorials, it's rare, it's rare that I follow a specific person and then always watch every tutorial that they come out with. It's usually that I'm trying to make something that I find interesting. I get stuck and then I, join in to um i join into or i start searching for a tutorial and then uh and then uh, i hopefully find the answer and then apply that to my final thing if that makes sense uh ramsey i'm sorry from the chat room it's his name's ramsey i screwed it up when all the net when all the letters are all jumbled in it's hard to read sorry guys so um okay so anyway that is usually my process. So back in the day, this was, um, oh man, I can't imagine. For After Effects stuff, Brian Maffitt was my guy. He, um, his total training series, I got him all the way up to, I forgot the latest one I bought. But um, it's, I mean, at, at this point, it's quite a few years ago, but I thought he was great. Um, he was great at what he did, and he it described why he was doing certain things, and and that was very helpful for me. So... Um, with Cinema 4D, it was always guys like uh, Tim Clapham. What a great example! He his stuff looked great, and he showed you how to do it. Um, and then for some more of the technical stuff, I I watched a lot of like Base 80 tutorials and things like that. Um, I don't have to pull out an official list of that kind of stuff. Um, Base 80. I got to take notes, or I'm never gonna remember I mentioned all these people. Uh oh, and um Tim. Okay, so. So that's that. So those are the tutorials I watch. Those are the ones I end up um, finding and, and really learning something from. Um, or uh, Amateur Media is actually a really good one. I thought he did a really good job, really beautiful stuff, um, and uh, he explained it well. I think English wasn't even his second language, and he still did better tutorials than a lot of people do. So let me describe what I think is the the worst type of tutorial and then let me tell you guys what i think is one of the one of the best one of, one of my favorite ways to kind of think about making tutorials it's something i've been doing for a long time it's something i enjoy doing and um maybe we should talk about what makes a good tutorial at least on my end 
Um, <laughs> and it's easier, might be easier to talk about what makes a bad tutorial first. And I've mentioned already a few of them, but not explaining why you're doing certain things. I talk about this a lot when I go babble on in front of students or whatever, but knowing why a decision is made is much more important than knowing how to do it, right? So the underlying underlying why is always something that you can apply to your next project. But if you just know how to do something, you only know how to do one thing. So it's a very teach a man to fish or or or, or sell him a fish kind of a thing, right? And if you if you think about the if you think about this idea of of why or how, what you always want is a little bit of both. So you say, okay, how did you make that? So if you see an animation you see or a tutorial you're watching, they're going to show you how they made it. That's kind of the idea behind the tutorial for sure. But the the really really helpful stuff is when they tell you why they made that decision. So why they chose this uh, typeface, why they chose this color, why they decided to put the camera up high or down low, why they decided to animate the camera fast. And, and you know, maybe, maybe they'll say something like this. Okay, now let's do the camera animation. And this camera is going to be wiggling around really fast, really, you know, energetic because we want, because, that's a great word, because we want to, uh, convey an emotion of energy and youth and fun and and um, vitality through this camera movement. So why are you doing this really crazy camera movement is much more important in that case than how are you doing this crazy camera movement, right? Because I could show you, you know, you add a wiggle tag or you do this and you get the, uh, and you get, um, and you get this movement. That's easy. I could show you how to do that. But if you put a wiggly, fast-moving camera on a dramatic, slow piece with a silhouette of, of Batman, and it's supposed to be all quiet, and you put this wiggly camera, well, that, that's not going to work very well, right? Um, because, because that's the tone you're trying to get. The tone of the piece is more energetic. Uh, so you're going to use a faster camera or the tone of the piece is somber and the, 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 the story is a little bit more sad or, or, uh, serious. So maybe it's slower, you know, camera moves with slower fades in and out and looking up at the, at your text or your logo, or your character, you know, to make it very epic sounding. And then, you know, all that stuff um, comes into the why you're making these decisions. So for me, when I when I'm doing tutorials and when I'm watching my favorite tutorials, the ones that the ones that I learn the most from are the ones that describe why they're making those decisions and not just showing me how. So I, I mentioned this earlier, but the ones that that drive me absolutely crazy are like, okay, type 20 in. Okay, now add this tool, now type 30 in. Okay, now add this tool and type 20 in, then move it two pixels to the left, and now t uh, grab a new texture, make it orange. In fact, don't just make it orange, you can make it this exact color orange. But, you know, put in the RGB value, blah, 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 move it two pixels to the left, and then hit rend. Go in and add ambient occlusion, go and hit render, and you're done. And yeah, no crap, mine looks just like yours because I just followed the recipe, right? You just gave me a recipe of 
add two pinches of salt and put you know put it on the stove for 40 minutes and or on for 20 minutes and then put it here and then and then add a little bit of I obviously don't know how to cook. I picked the wrong analogy here, but I think you get the idea that um if all you tell me is how to cook a fish, damn with the fish again. If all you tell me is how to how to how to make chili, then I just know how to make chili. But if I know the concepts behind why we're salting something, why we're adding um, certain vegetables at certain certain times, why we're doing certain things, then I can carry that knowledge to the next thing I cook. And maybe the 10th thing I cook, I don't need a tutorial. And isn't that the idea? Isn't that the idea behind these tutorials is to eventually not need one, right? I mean, at least not need one for the stuff that you've already learned once. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. And there's there's a lot of little there's a lot of little things about tutorials that make them um kind of good or bad, I guess. Maybe I should do a, a post or something about that. Um because I think that and this is where it gets weird, I guess. But I really think that learning stuff online like a YouTube like YouTube is so incredible that you can go type whatever you're interested in right now, whatever it is, and go type on YouTube and get 10 different videos from 10 different people describing whatever you're trying to learn in, in a different way. And that's incredible. So, you know, to, to, to make it, to maybe take this even further than just Cinema 4D or After Effects or whatever, I think learning this stuff online, learning things you're interested in online, it, is obviously the future way way more helpful than a classroom with a teacher that may or may not know exactly what the hell they're talking about that also has to in most cases slow down their cur- curriculum to accommodate the least um the person in the room that knows the least they have to help more than the person in the room that wants to know more it's very obvious to me that learning online is the future of all this stuff and figuring out how to make better online tutorials and teach and, and, and showing and teaching better online, I think is, is entirely the future. And this may be a, a little silly to think about, and I feel very underqualified to talk about this, but in my, in my limited worldview, it seems so obvious to me that the, the internet and video specifically to have a somebody sit in front of you and to show you exactly what's in their head with a visual at your at the at your pace where you could slow it down or speed it up or move to the next one or practice it on your own pause it and try it and rewind it and do it again is so very obviously the future of all this stuff that I think getting it right is, and 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 in other words if you're going to sit down and make a tutorial let's do it right Let's show not just how to do it, but why. Let's let's show the concepts behind it. So I got really into dual um, dual clutch transmissions. I was listening to a podcast, this uh, new car podcast called Neutral, and I got really into dual clutch transmissions. Just the idea of it. I didn't. I, I guess I shouldn't say it. I, re- I really got into it, but I it seemed very interesting to me. I didn't know what they were. It seemed interesting that this new clutch system was going to replace the stick at not and it already has replaced the stick in um in many race cars and formula one cars there you know that's what they're talking about on this podcast 
And uh, I went online and typed in dual clutch transmission and got eight different animated um, videos on how they worked. So, and some of them were good and some of them were bad. So, so uh, you know, one had like a monotone guy describing it in a very dry way. Uh, and this one, this one kid, I got a link to him in the show notes because uh, I can't remember his name, but this one, he's a younger kid and he was, uh, he was an engineer. He was, uh, uh, an engineer or studying engineer, he looked very young, and he sat in front of the camera with a ch- with a whiteboard, and he described exactly how this worked. And in fact, you know what he said? He w- was even better. He goes, "Hey, if you don't know how actual clutches work, maybe you should go watch that video first because this gets a little crazy." So I did. I went back and learned how a clutch worked, and then I learned how a um, uh, a variable clutch worked, and then I or a variable system worked, and then I learned how the dual clutch worked, and then I um uh. Man, he had a bunch of great stuff and, and like describe anyway, I'll link to it so you guys can see it. But that is so the future, man. Holy crap. Um I uh every, <laughs> I don't know. Everything's on the internet right now. It's it's driving me crazy. Uh I will give you guys a name. I'll put it in the show notes. So uh if you're listening live, I usually post these on Grayscale Gorilla. You can go there and, and find the podcasts and um find the, this episode here. This will be the uh February 6th episode. But anyway, that, uh, as always, that rambled on much longer than it should have. Um, but man, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to think about more about what to say about that. It, it's important to me. I wish I had more, um, more, more plan or more thought out. Let me, let me kind of sit down and have a more thought out feeling about all, all this tutorial stuff and maybe even make a post on what I think are the, the better ways to, to do it. Because if you're going to fire up your computer and turn on your camera and, and record a tutorial about something, anything, whether it's how to cook something or how to do something in SoundForge or After Effects or whatever, man, might as well make it helpful to as many people as possible, right? All right. Um, let's jump to the next question here. Let me get a little sip of iced coffee. If you, if you don't mind. Everybody loves when people drink on a, on a microphone, right? Okie doke. Um, let's see. Uh, Brand Flakes. Brant. Brant is his name, as I learned. Uh, he's asking about the Mac Pros. So he's asking, um, this is his question. It says, Nick, I know we both love our Macs. I do, Brant. Thank you. But I think it's time we join the dark side and buy some workstation PCs. Apple's clearly distancing itself from the professional market, so why aren't we? Dot dot dot. Um. Well, there's a lot of rumor stuff. Let, let let's just take care of all the rumor stuff, and then we'll talk about kind of where I think or what to do with all this Mac stuff. Um. So the Mac Pro and the big rumor, you know, it hasn't really officially been. Yeah, it hasn't really been updated in at least two years. I I always make the smart ass remarks saying that I still have you know the fastest Mac Pro you can buy, uh, which is technically not true, but in practice it's true. The newest one is you know point one megahertz faster or what gigahertz. That shows you how old I am. Never mind. Um, but it's you know less than five percent faster, ten percent faster than my machine, right? Uh, and for me, I, I usually only buy a new machine when it's 
way faster than like at least two to three times faster is when I think it's use useful to like shut down your machine and re upload everything and reinstall everything. Like why do that? Unless you're going to get two to three to four X times the, um, the results. Right. So anyway, there's, there's, uh, the, the Mac Pro rumors are the big thing is like they're going to they're going to phase this thing out, right? They're you know, Apple with Final Cut is kind of moving away from the truly professional market and moving into more like the prosumer, like the dad on the weekend making a video kind of stuff and and kind of moving away from that. That's all the rumors, right? And they're they're getting more into the iPhones and the iPads and they're like, "Why are we making all these frankly like high-end nerdy workstation things for this like 5% of the market when when we could just make iPads and um, and MacBooks and iMacs and 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 um, all this stuff for like the most general people with for most people, why 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 deal with this stuff? Um, so I don't know. I don't know what Apple's going to do. Obviously, I really hope they can they continue making a Mac Pro. I've that's been my machine forever. That's been from the first machine I've owned, for the first computer I've I've purchased. I, I built some machines back in the day, some old school, uh, you know, for LAN parties. Don't judge me. Um, but as far as buying a machine, you know, I started with my G4, and it's been Mac Pros ever since. Um, or Power Macs, or whatever they call them. So I hope they continue to do it. So, And, and my guess is that they're, they're going to always continue to have some sort of high-end workstation, and it may not be the absolute fastest. If you want the pure speed, absolute render farm fastest machine, you know, the answer today and might be forever is, you know, go build it a lot cheaper for PC and go deal with all the, all the other weird stuff about Windows if you, you want to deal with it. Um, or Linux. Maybe Linux helps out too. But for me at least... Uh, I hope Apple continues to do it. I don't, I don't, I don't like to play around with computer stuff. That's not why I'm into this. You know, I got into all this stuff to go play around in After Effects and Cinema 4D. I didn't get into this to go like install software and worry about updates and worry about viruses, worry about all that stuff. Right. So in my opinion, for me, what would be perfect is if Apple just continued to say, hey, every two years we're going to make the fastest machine uh, that we can that, you know, that has all these chips in it, and it's, you're going to pay a premium because it's Apple, and it looks it's in a nice case, and uh, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll continue to buy the heck out of those things forever. Um, but if that goes away, what, what are the options? One option is that some my one thought about it is that somebody will come in and fill that market. This is still a very large market full of, you know, we're talking about our like motion design and and even designers and let's just lump it all together like the original, you know, Mac people, the desktop publishers and the 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 video artists and like all the final cut people and all the anime uh, all the cinema 4D people that are mostly uh Mostly Mac, right? Uh, and all the, um, at least in the states, you know, mostly Mac, and um, all the After Effects people, all the Adobe people, like all the people that are these Mac, these Mac designer crew. Which to me is is like, and even designers, like where are all these people gonna go? Anyway, uh, let's pretend that it just all goes away, and they just, you know, continue to make i iPads and basically think that computers are the past. Um. That might very well be the case. Um, 
But there will always be people that, nah, you can't say that. You can't say that. You can't say always. Um, but for the, for the near future and for something like 3D, you will, you will need a very, very fast machine to pull this stuff off. So I think the answer is either going to be that somebody else will step in and t- try to take care of this market as well as they can. And then, you know, Adobe and Maxon and stuff will have to try to put their software on there if they want this market. That's one outcome. The other outcome, the other thing to think about is that if truly, if truly they get this like online cloud stuff figured out, and instead of worrying about having 12 cores in your machine, in your, in your, in your Mac or your whatever box, for pennies compared to owning your own machine, you could upload this stuff, process it somewhere else, and then, and then if the bandwidth works okay, suck it all down in your machine and have it, right? So if, if that technology is moving forward, you know, it's obviously not as fast as it could be right now. Nothing is. But if that really takes over, then maybe Apple is totally betting exactly on the right thing, which is nobody will need a, a room full of servers unless, unless <laughs> other than that, those five companies that literally have rooms full of servers, right? Uh, and Max does not for them. Um, so there's a lot of weird outcomes to this, but I don't think that it's, I don't think it's totally, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a total bummer if, if Mac just goes up and gets out, but the ultimate, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. That doesn't seem like, I think a lot of Apple's brand, a lot of their kind of cachet that they wave around is that all these professional people are using their products. Um, and while I don't think they're going to abandon it, I just think they have a lot. Like they have too much popular stuff right now that's not all this production hardware. Uh, so you know what? They come out with it. It works. My 12-core Mac is still a beast of a machine, and it will continue to be for a few more years. And that's how I make my computer purchases. I want the fastest machine I can for the longest amount of time and then hold on as hard as I can until there's a very obvious machine out there that is two to three to five times faster, and then I will get that machine. So. Um, as always, I don't know the answer, but those are, those are some ideas. I'm interested to see what, what Apple does with this. There is, uh, new rumors about new Mac pros. There, there always is. I try not to worry about the rumors. Just get my work done, but that might be something to think about. All right. Um, let's see here. Prince Mo has a question. Hey, Prince always has good questions. I'm going to copy and paste this Prince just in case I, uh, lose it in the chat room here. This chat room kind of jumps around. Let me pull this into my notes, buddy. And then um, paste it. And uh, all right, let's see. He says, Prince Mo says, how do you stay hungry? What keeps you motivated to jump into cinema each and every day and create new stuff? Uh, Don't you get bored or overdosed? Um, Cool question, man. Thanks for asking it. I totally get burnout. I get burnout. I, I have very severe burnout. I think looking at my personality and comparing it to, you know, a lot of my friends and stuff, what I usually do is like get in and I really burn out. Like I'll get in for an entire week and just tweak and play and, and mess around with lighting and this, I, you know, this project or this new tool working on or, or some textures and I'll just go in and just buzz for a week. And then, man, by, by one day, like, you know, even on a Saturday or Sunday, I'll just be in there like tweaking on this idea 
And then one day I'll just go, I'm out, I'm done. Give me away from this, right? And I'll, maybe I'll go research some stuff about pinball machines in the 30s or something or, or you know, get the hell out and go on a bike ride or go, go skiing or something like that, right? I totally have burnout. I do it all the time. Um, so I understand burnout. One of the reasons I got out of client work is because you can't afford to have that style of burnout when there's a big deadline on your head, right? When there's like a client telling you, we need this by tomorrow. Um, that was one of the, that was one of the things that kind of wore me out or wore me down with, with, with actual client work was not being able to handle my own burnout. So for me, I have I have very, very intense moments of getting in and working and, and, and making it better and trying this and, and learning about it and reading all I can and, and researching and finding and listening to all the podcasts about it. And then just suddenly my brain goes, done. Um, stop doing that. And uh, I, I try to take a break. When my brain naturally does that, I try to step away or at least go do something else. Uh, usually the... The, the warning signs are when I hit Facebook for like the third time in a row when I like, you know, just don't want to deal with it or don't, you know, don't check my email or whatever. Um, so one thing I do is just walk away and come back in a minute, in an hour, go on a lunch break, go, you know, go play a game, like go do whatever, but then come back. Um, as far as, you know, as far as what brings me back to cinema or brings me back to play with this stuff, it's usually stuff I see, or it's usually stuff that you guys post on the Facebook page or something, seeing really cool work that is, that I'm interested in is instantly gets me back in the game because I go, how did they do that? And as soon as I say that, how did they do that? I am in, I have to go try it. I have to go try and see if I can and how they figured that out. Because I like doing that, you know, and then that that's great because if I could figure it out, then I could do a tutorial on it, right? So whenever I like, you know, watching the Super Bowl, I sat and watched the Super Bowl so I could look at all these cool effects and commercials and stuff and, and, and you know, Super Bowl sports graphics and maybe have an idea of something to go play around in cinema with the next day. That's me. That's my kind of... That's that's my kind of loop on what brings me back into motion design and brings me back into cinema and after and all this stuff is seeing really cool work out there by other people and then doing it or 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 just simple questions. Somebody in the in the blog today, uh, the newest five second project is up right now. It's called Candy Hearts, and I put up a photo of just like a bowl of candy hearts, like a, a photo. That's like a close-up. I don't know if it's in a bowl, but it's like a close-up of a bunch of those candy hearts. And somebody goes, is that a 3D render or a photo? And I knew it was a photo, but wow, that did that sure got me off my ass, and I sat all day trying to replicate that exact look of, of candy hearts in cinema. Uh, you know, looking at the like the texturing, you know, these candy hearts have like a little layer of like dust, like flour, sugar or something, something on there to like, you know, like a powder almost. So I had to get that texture going down. And then, and then, uh, you know, I, I looked at the lighting and it was soft lighting, but it wasn't that soft. There was still some definition. So then I had to get this, the light above it, just the right size to get 
a soft enough light, but with a little bit of definition. And then uh, I started looking and I go, I think some subsurface scattering will help this a lot. You know, it's like kind of this see-through chalk kind of texture. So added some subsurface scattering and, and you know, played with this stuff all because somebody in the chat room or in the, in the comments said, hey, is that a 3D render? And uh, that was my day today. So th those are the things that bring me into back to play with this stuff is looking at cool stuff or just simple questions like, is this possible? And if I'm even close to having the idea if it's possible, I'm going to go try it. I crash and burn so many times. For every tutorial you guys see, there's two or three that I try to make get nowhere near, and it just looks awful. And, you know, I go take a break. And I come back and I try again. So whatever that hook is, whatever that hook is that brings you back into the fold of this stuff, you know, figure out what that is. And don't, when those hooks hit, man, put on your headphones and, and, and get, 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 into the, get into the fold of that instead of, uh, you know, being on that like Facebook loop or like Twitter loop. And, and I get into that all the time, like, uh, you know, refresh, scroll, 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 refresh, refresh, scroll, scroll. and and now it's it's just um um i don't know it's just it's just seeing beautiful stuff i guess anyway um let's see here i think that's most of the questions let me make sure i didn't copy and paste anything else uh yeah we have one more we have uh sam's wire sam's wire is talking uh, or he asked question how do you finish personal projects uh and i think i've just probably talked a little bit about this in different ways, but I'll give you the quick answer for this one. Um, personal projects for me are, are almost the same as the last question, which is once I'm, once I'm invested in getting to the, uh, getting to the end of a project, whatever that is. So, you know, in my life it is iPhone, you know, updating or, or working on new iPhone apps, making uh, tutorials for the website, getting the five second projects out and judged. Um, working on uh, new tutorials or, or, or just simple things like the stupid, you know, video mashup thing I made today. It's a stupid idea. And I put two videos together and I gave myself a deadline. And that's always, that's always the core principle of all the projects I have. Um, if I can't get this done in X, then I'm going to move on. And I may come back to it. Doesn't mean it's over. But if I can't get this done and you know by tomorrow in ten minutes in in an hour in whatever that is, whatever that deadline is, I set it. I work as hard as I can to hit that, and if I get to there, I either put it out, I release it, I make the tutorial, I, I render the tutorial, or do whatever it is, and then I stop. And then if tomorrow I want to work on it again, set a new deadline, get to the end of it, and be done with it. Uh, so today I made this stupid video. I said, what kind of, what kind of joke can I make? <clears throat> I had a silly idea. I said, can I make this, can I make this video, um, with, uh, uh, this, uh, I'm taking notes now and trying to talk. What an idiot. I need, a, I need an official note taker. That's what I need. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I made this stupid video of the, uh, uh, the wallflower song, uh, one headlight, and the uh, the cheeseburger the uh, the the five guys cheeseburger guy uh, singing the same song together, and uh, I said, 
I'm not going to work very hard on this, or I, I guess I guess hard is the wrong answer. I'm not going to ver work very long on this. This is a stupid YouTube video, and I'm going to give myself 15 minutes to go find these videos, mash them together, and if it makes me laugh, I'll post it online. And that was it. And uh, and what what came out of it was what what came out of it. I, after about 15 minutes, I said, "Well, I could bring in this to, in After Effects and try to time stretch the vocals and try to do this and and all these things." And and I decided, you know what? It's 15 minutes. I gave myself 15 minutes. It's fine. It's funny enough. Upload it. And that's just my process. And honestly, a lot of things are not as perfect or as great or as flawless or as realistic as they could be. Um, but that's my process. I'd rather it be out and I'd rather other people see it and, and have value out of it rather than it waiting on my hard drive to be perfect. And then nobody sees it and nobody has value and nobody has, it doesn't help any, anybody if it just sits there. And so for me, personal projects are all about setting that deadline and getting it the heck out, getting it out. And then if it sucks, do another one. Um, that's always been my process. I think it's, especially early on, huge to just set a very short deadline. You know what? It's exactly the reason the five-second projects are what they are. You get two weeks, you get, um, <clears throat> you get two weeks, you get five seconds, and it has to be an animation, and it has to do with this theme. So a lot of restrictions, not a lot of time. Not a lot of work necessarily, only five seconds, small concepts, little things. Go find it, go play with it, and put it out there. And then next month, there's another one. And then next month, there's another one. So those are the ways that I kind of think about my personal projects. That's how I work on them. Um, and honestly, that's usually why they're, 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 they're never as, as great as I, you know, as I want them to be. And, uh, I have this problem where, you know, nothing nothing is exactly how I think it should be. Everything could ha be better better improvement. The tutorial where I stumbled, or or even this podcast where I didn't prepare enough, and I'm taking notes here, and I'm talking, you know, and trying to take notes, and then rambling a little bit, and then making a joke about the chat room that people listening to the podcast don't give a, give a crap about. Like all these things, I know, like this could be better. But the difference is, 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 that doesn't make sense. The difference is, this is out. This is now a live show. It is out in there. You know, people are watching it or not. And then it's also uh, going to be on a podcast. And then next week, if it sucks, I'll come back and do another one. And I'll hopefully do better at it. And maybe get somebody to help take notes. I don't know. But only by doing this, putting it out there, and then seeing what happens, and thinking about how to make it better, will it get better? And that's how I, that's how I do all my stuff. Uh, that's how I did the Campbell and Munson project when I did uh, a song a month with my buddy uh, Benny. We decided we're going to write a song a month. We're going to record it. No frills, live recording. Put it up online with a simple video. And that was also recorded live, so we didn't have to edit anything. And we put it out there and try to make it better every time. And that was it. So, deadlines. There's your one-word answer, buddy. Um, okay. Uh, that is it. I think that's good today. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. If you... Um, uh, you can all... You, 
I didn't. I don't know if this is always clear, but this is on iTunes as a as an actual podcast. I know I do this show live, uh, in the chat room here on grayscalegorilla.com slash live and all this stuff. But um, if you uh, are tired of looking at my face on the video, you can listen to this in audio. And if you guys are listening to this in audio and want to see me wave my arms around and look at me sip my coffee, uh, we do this um, either Tuesday or Wednesdays on uh, grayscalegorilla.com slash live. So, uh, and I usually announce it on the Twitter, uh, which is Nick Vegas, and the Facebook, which is uh, slash grayscalegorilla. But that's about it. All right, thanks as always, guys. I'll see you in another uh, tutorial or video or audio podcast or whatever soon. Hope you guys have a good one. Bye, everybody.